What's up, citizens? How we doing? Yeah! Some energy from that side of the room tonight. That's a first, am I right, guys? Let's go! I am hyped up. Guys, look at me. Youth conference is coming up. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot stop talking about it. I walk up to people on the street. I'm like, guys, we've got this youth conference coming up. And they're like, I'm 45. Why are you talking to me? I'm at Safeway. And I'm like, hey, we have this youth conference coming up. There's going to be an escape room. And they're like, I'm calling the police. I can't stop talking about it. It's going to be so much fun. I need you to be more hype about it. But we're going to get there. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, guys, welcome. If it's your first time at Citizens, you're like, this guy's weird. Uh, you'd be correct. My name's Noah. I'm super thankful that you're here. Hope someone has welcomed you in. Hope that you're feeling connected to other people around us. Uh, we're a community of students learning to live for Jesus Christ. And so that's who we sing about in those songs. When we gather together, we don't just sing Christian karaoke. We're actually singing to Jesus, our living hope. We're reminding one another of the truth of the gospel, but we are also directly speaking to and professing the things uh, about God to God. And we get to uh, declare that together every single week in worship. And it is just a blast to get to do that together. Another thing that we do uh, is we learn about God. We learn from God. We believe God's word is living and active. And it is able to correct us where we need to be corrected. It, it is able to uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. And it's able to give life to the very things in our lives that seem dead. And so open up your Bible to uh, Psalm 107. We're almost done our series called Steadfast. And uh, we're continuing on tonight in verse 23. Now before we get started with preaching tonight, I have one I, I, so I moved here just a little over a year ago, and I really love it here. I love everything about uh, our church and the area. I think it's super fun. Um, I have one thing that bothers me. The rain is fine. I can deal with it. It's okay. It used to be like sub 20 degrees for like six months out of the year in Illinois, and I'm, I can deal with the rain. It's fine. But this is the one thing that I don't get. Maybe you can enlighten me. Maybe you can tell me. It rains all the time here. Why is the Northwest so anti-umbrella? I'm asking. I don't really let the conversation open, but I'm just going to open it up. Why are we anti-umbrella? Why are we like, oh, yeah, we don't do that? Wind? Okay, that's not a good answer. Why? What else? Worth the hassle. It's like 50 cents, and it weighs like a pound, maybe. Okay, not a good answer. It makes you look cool not having an umbrella? Why? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. This argument makes no sense. It's like, well, you know, it rains all the time. So, like, it would be weird if you had an umbrella all the time. No, it's not. Here's the thing. I don't own an umbrella. But I've never owned an umbrella because I'm an irresponsible person. I just forget to, like, buy one. It's not because I'm, like, anti-umbrella, but we're anti-umbrella here, which makes no sense. It's like living in Phoenix and being like, yeah, we're pretty anti-shorts here. You know, because it's so hot, wearing shorts all the time would just make, like, oh, yeah, no, we're never going to wear, like, tank tops or, like, T-shirts. It's only wool coats for us here in Phoenix. So I never understood that. When it rains, you probably want an umbrella. I digress. Let me tell you about this time. Um, I promise there's some sort of connection, but I could talk about it for like an hour, so just get ready. 
Um, there's this time, I used to have a Jeep uh, Wrangler, you know, that's the car that the, the roof kind of comes off, the doors come off, and it's very unsafe. And um, here's the thing. Back in college, I used to check the weather every single morning, and if it was above 50 degrees and it wasn't going to rain, I would take the roof off, I would take the doors off, and it was just so much fun driving around it. But sometimes, when you're driving in a Jeep or maybe a convertible, something like that, at a moment's notice, the weather changes. And I don't know if you've ever been in a car when this happens, or maybe a convertible, but in a Jeep, it's not like you press a button and like it's just like the roof pops back on. It was an older one, and so it takes like about 15 minutes to like wrangle all the pieces together and zip up all the zippers. And I remember very distinctly this one time, because it may have been the only time it actually happened. I checked the weather. It's like, clear sky. It's not going to rain. We promise. And I was like, thanks, weatherman. This is great. Drive out. Go do whatever. I don't really remember what I was doing. But I was going back to campus where I was living at the time. And all of a sudden, in like the, like the top corner of the sky, I could just see this dark cloud coming closer and closer. I'm like, I'm fine. That's like 20 minutes away, maybe. I'll be back on campus in like five minutes, six minutes at max, whatever. And so like two, three minutes go by, and I'm driving. I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And conveniently, also this massive rain cloud is getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, I am one stoplight away from turning into the campus. I had to turn left. And then I could just go on the campus and park my car underneath this awning, and it was going to be perfect. And I was like, great, as long as there's not like a really long red light, I think everything will be fine. Not only was there a red light, not only was the red light very long, I was sitting two or three cars back. All of a sudden, I feel a drip or two. I'm like, okay, this is fine. You know, it's part of the, the vibe of like the Jeep life, whatever. It's fine. You get rained on sometimes. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it rains a little bit more, a little bit more. I'm like, this is a really long red light. What is going on? And all of a sudden, you know, like how it blinks sometimes when there's like an emergency, there's an ambulance coming to cross like the intersection. And so I'm not kidding. The light was red maybe for two and a half minutes, maybe like, I don't know, 25 minutes. It felt like in my mind because all of a sudden, it just starts dumping rain. And I'm just sitting there completely soaked. I try and like hide my phone because it wasn't waterproof at the time. But I pull on the campus and I'm telling you, head to toe, completely soaked. Because when it rains, you want a few things. One, you want a roof to your car. It's just like a thing that you want. It's a thing everyone should have. I'm growing up. I understand this. When it rains, we should want umbrellas. I'm not going to get into it again. We should want things to protect us, to cover us, to help us get through the storms. Tonight we're reading a passage in Psalm 107, look at verse 23, uh, specifically in verses 23 to 27. We're reviewing uh, this, we're in this series, Steadfast, and there's so many different uh, pictures that the Bible paints for us in this psalm. The Bible painted us a picture of people wandering in the desert, lost and confused. The Bible painted us a picture of people in chains, stuck because of their own sinfulness. We saw people last week lost in their foolishness. And tonight we're going to watch people get caught in the midst of a storm. The very beginning, I'm sure it's just a few raindrops. I'm sure it's fine. But we're going to see the story quickly progress to the point almost to death, almost where people are going to completely perish in the midst of this storm. Now, the Bible uses storms often as an analogy in life. Uh, for us, as we read scripture, when it speaks to storms happening, it often speaks to things that are disappointing, trials that may pop up, life situations that might get a little bit dicey. And if you're a person in this room, if you are a human being who has lived life for an extended period of time, you know that there's going to be some days that are harder than others. 
there's gonna be some moments in life that you have to wonder, man, is this what, is this what I have to deal with today, tomorrow? I don't know how long. And maybe some days it seems like, oh, it's just a little bit of rain. I'm sure I can endure it. I'm sure this, this pain, this difficulty, it's gonna go away. Some days it seems like the rain's coming in a bit heavier. We start looking around us. We start looking towards other people, to other thing, and wonder, okay, this trial, this season, this moment in life that's difficult should pass soon. And then there's other seasons, and there's other moments, like the passage is gonna speak about tonight, where it's just dumping down rain. You're looking to anyone or anything that can help you get through this season and this time. In life, there's gonna be days that are difficult, and God's word doesn't shy away from these things. God's word isn't this, you know, empty promise of follow Jesus, everything's gonna be completely fine. Everything's gonna be, you know, good vibes for the rest of your life. The Bible speaks to moments of storms, of trials, of moments that are difficult, of days where we wake up and wonder, is this really worth it? The Bible doesn't shy away from those things, but the Bible does offer us uh, to know, the Bible offers us not just information, but an invitation to know the person personally who can deliver us from storms. In life, when storms rage, there's only one person we can look to. In life, when difficulty arises, there's only one who can deliver us. When pain and difficulty seem to define everything about our current situation, there is one person whose steadfast love is able and ready to deliver you. I don't know about you, but in my life, I need that person. I need to know him personally. I need to have him. If you're in the room tonight and you're like, things are going great for me, I'm super happy about that. But there's gotta be plenty of people in the room tonight that are like, that's where I feel like I'm at right now. I'm in the middle of the storm. I'm in the very center of the hurricane. I feel like I can barely hold on. If that's for you tonight, this passage, I hope it encourages you. If you're in the good season right now, then there's probably a person or two that you can put your arm around and say, hey, we're gonna get through this together. One person we look to, one person who can deliver us with his steadfast love. Look at Psalm 107, verses 23 through 27 right now. It says this, some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. Again, uh, the book of Psalm, it's poetry. So this is not an epistle. This isn't instruction. This isn't necessarily even narrative. This is a poem. This is divine inspired poetry. And so it's setting the scene here. Some are going down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in the evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and they were at their wits' end. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord of his steadfast love for his wondrous works in the children of men. We've heard that verse a few times. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. There's one person that we call out to when the storm is raging, and that's Jesus. 
Let's pray. God, we love you. Be with us as we look to your word. Allow us to understand it more clearly. Let us see a picture of your son more clearly as we see this text. I pray that we wouldn't shy away from when life is difficult. I pray we wouldn't uh, fake it or say that this isn't that difficult, but we would be honest when things are hard, when the pain is real. Let us be honest. Let us see these things in our lives. I pray that you would continue to deliver us and rescue us from uh, the storms of this life, from the pain that seems to creep up so often. God, be with us. Uh, I ask that you would deliver only your truth when my opinion or kind of perspective fall to the background as your word is preached. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verses 23 and 24. In the final scene in Psalm 107, it opens up on voyagers. They're about to make a profit by doing business across the sea. There's a group of people who are ready to change their lives. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. I imagine this, it's a group of people, wide-eyed, ready to trade, barter, work, whatever it is that they're doing in a far-off place to make some cash for a job. I imagine these people are, are raising the sail looking out on the horizon, picturing the adventure that's to come, picturing the stories that they're going to tell. The maps have been drawn. The, the crew has been assembled. The, the voyage has been set up to a T. They had to be very careful with when they left, who they had on board, what sort of materials they had, and they were going out to do business on the great waters, right? Probably going to a different spot to trade, to uh, work perhaps, whatever it may be. I imagine these people were dreamers. They were looking out, wondering what they might see, thinking of all the things that they would see, and most importantly, thinking about the cash they were going to make. Like, because they were in this for business. Someone out to the sea doing business on the great waters. They are in it to make some money. You know, they're like, maybe I can finally afford a PS5 after this. I don't know. Maybe. I might. But instead, yeah, for real. Seriously. Maybe. I don't know. We don't know how much money they're going to make. But instead of that, they're going to see something else. Verse 24. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. They're not exactly going to make money like they thought they would, but they are going to see the power of the Lord on full display when this happens. For he, talking about the Lord, commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves from the sea. These wide-eyed business people, adventurers going out to make a profit, all of a sudden encounter something that is probably going to ruin their day, probably going to ruin their month, and potentially ruin their entire lives. Verse 26, they mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. So this is a poetic way of saying there was a massive storm and the ship was going up and down. All right, that's the middle school translation for everyone in the room. Uh, the Bible says, right, they mounted up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. So things were not going super well for these guys. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and they were at their wits end they find themselves in the midst of a chaotic moment. The first point tonight from verses 23 through 27, in the storm, God is sovereign. In the storm, God is sovereign. Their plans are interrupted. The thing they wanted to do is not going to be happening anytime soon. In our lives, we constantly live in a state of interruption. 
And sometimes these things can be good, great opportunities, but oftentimes they can be bad. When the rain clouds start to form, when the rain starts to fall, when the storms of this life start to creep up, we can kind of feel it in our hearts, right? Maybe a friend kind of comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear what this person said about you? Because, I don't know, I thought you guys were really close, and, but they said this, they put this on their Snapchat story, they texted me this, I, I don't know, maybe you should just check in with them, and you start to realize, maybe my friendship wasn't as good as I thought it was, when your closest friend betrays you. When that relationship that was going great all of a sudden starts to change a little bit, and all of a sudden you're like, maybe this wasn't the person I was supposed to end up with. Or maybe even more seriously, a loved one, a family member, they're going through a series of difficulties, maybe medical difficulties, and all of a sudden there seems to be test results coming in saying, this thing could be pretty serious. When your mom or dad lose their job and it's like, you may have to relocate. We're talking about the real serious, difficult storms of this life. What do we do with these things? How are we supposed to react as Christians, as people, as human beings? What are we supposed to do? I want you to look at verse 25. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. You see, in the middle of our storm, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. These trials, these moments where we feel like maybe things are falling apart, the life we had planned, the adventure we had set out on is not going the way that we wanted it to or we thought it would. God is still sovereign in the midst of it. For he commanded and raised the stormy win. You see, God is sovereign over the salvation and deliverance from the trials, but God is also sovereign over the trials themselves. We really like to highlight the all-knowing sovereign nature of God when we're out of a trial, like when things are better, but sometimes it's hard for us to look and recognize the sovereign nature of God when we're smack in the middle of it. Scripture says that it is the Lord who's actually bringing the people into this difficult situation. It's interesting, in Psalm 107, there's different pictures, there's different moments uh, for, you know, there's this character who has found themselves in a really tough spot and they cry out to the Lord. The past two examples have been a result of sinfulness, foolishness, uh, their rebellion against God. They found themselves in, in chains or they found themselves stranded because of their own sinfulness, but that's not the case here. There's no evidence here that says, well, they were evil business people or they were running away from the Lord's will for their life. It doesn't say any of that. In fact, it alludes to something that might be quite shocking for it's the Lord who is raising the storm. God is sovereign in the midst of our storms in this life. God is never caught off guard by the thing you're going through. God is never caught off guard by the thing that you're going through. He is sovereign over the storm and over the salvation from the storm. We get the opportunity to worship a God who not only is holding you together, but he is also holding some of these trials and difficulties to refine us, to reproof us, to allow us to see his goodness more clearly in this Life In the middle of our pain, in the middle of the storm, God is sovereign over all these things. So what do we do because of it? 
because of the difficulty, because of the pain. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves to the sea. They're going up and down. They are nearly on the verge of death. Their ship is probably about to sink. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end, right? They're stumbling around. They're looking on the ship. They're trying to hold on to something, something that's going to bring them through to tomorrow, something that's going to bring them through, something that's going to prevent them from falling overboard from overside of the ship. They were at their wit's end. The Hebrew translation says their wisdom was swallowed up, right? It's just this funny thing that is said. It could be a reference to the book of Jonah, perhaps. The idea of being like, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. What are we supposed to do? Well, first, we are always supposed to trust in the Lord's character. We know that God's not an evil God. We know that he's not mean. He's not a cosmic bully. He doesn't uh, unnecessarily punish us, allow us to experience, you know, he's not this vindictive God. We know that he is sovereign over all things. And he has good things for his children. Even when we look at the storm, we say, this is not good. This is not good. I know better than you, God, and I'm telling you, this is not good. Even when we think those things, the Lord ultimately knows more than us. This is not a result of sinfulness. This is not a result of rebellion. This is something that just seems to have popped up. When that happens in our lives, we must first trust the Lord that he is sovereign over all things. I wish I could do an amazing, incredible, phenomenal job of completely explaining to a T the sovereign nature of God, but I cannot because I'm a mere human being like all of you guys. I wish I could tell you exactly why things happen that are bad. I wish I could tell you exactly why things are difficult. And sometimes in counseling, you have these conversations, but at the end of the day, you need to ask ourselves, you need to ask yourself, do I trust in the sovereign nature of God? Do I somehow trust that he is sovereign over the trial and he's over the salvation from the trial? Do I trust that he is a good God, that he will deliver me? And whether he doesn't even deliver, it for, deliver me from this thing, will he still be good at the end of the day? I can tell you for so many instances in my life, when I feel like I'm going through a moment of pain or difficulty, I can look back maybe a year or two or three years and actually be thankful for the thing I thought was really uh, bugging me or really hurting me or really bringing me to the point where I think I'm going to drown. I'm going to fall over the ship, God. This is too much for me. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've looked back and said, thank you for controlling that storm because you brought me somewhere else. What does the verse continue in, in saying? Verse 28. So what do we do in this moment? First, we trust his sovereign plan. 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. A verse that we've heard a few times. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. I, I love that. Just like, shh. You know how we have to do sometimes when people are talking? I'm just like, shh. Imagine that, but like God just does it with a storm. Insane, so cool. They were glad that the waters were quiet. One of the most underrated statements in the scripture. Oh, I'm pretty glad that the storm didn't just kill me. Thank you. And what else did God do? And God brought them to their desired haven. The Lord rescues them from their trouble. So first, in the storm, God is sovereign. Second, number two, out of the storm, God is steadfast. In the storm, God is sovereign, and out of the storm, God is steadfast. 
The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Any situation you find yourselves in, whether it's your own doing or whether it's a seemingly random uh, situation that's popped up and you are so upset about it, God's love is steadfast out of the storm. He is faithful and ready to deliver. The waves would be silenced. The wind would be calm. The boat would stop shaking. Frightened passengers would loosen their grips on whatever they were holding on to. Whether it was another person, whether it was the mast of the ship, whether it was a rope, they start to look up and they think, the Lord has hushed the waters. I cried out to him and I was saved. I cried out to him and things were calm. Because God's love, God's steadfast love for you doesn't change regardless of this, whatever your life looks like. God's steadfast love for you will not change regardless of where you are in life. Whether you're in a storm or whether things are going smooth sailing, God's love is steadfast for you. God's love will always remain the same for you, whether you're in the storm or whether you're on smooth sailing waters. Out of the storm, God is steadfast. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. It's in God's very nature to deliver us not only from our foolishness, not only from our sinfulness, but from the things that just seem to pop out of nowhere and are really hurting us and are putting us in a situation where we are distressed, where we are discouraged. The Lord is faithful to deliver us from those things. If we would call out to him, He's always ready to listen to you when you're being foolish. He's always ready to listen to you when you're being sinful, if you would repent and turn to him. And he is always ready to listen to you whenever you're just feeling downcast, despaired, lost, or confused. The steadfast love of the Lord will remain the same. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. On the perilous journey, the passengers cry out to God and he delivers them. What do you do in the middle of your storm? What are you doing in the middle of your trial? Because your response to the perilous storm speaks volumes to what you believe about God. Your response What you do, what you think, what you say speaks so much about what you believe about God in the middle of the storm. It will reveal so much. If you're nothing but angry in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your trial, you may think, God, you're just a cosmic bully. You're out to get me. When you're despairing and depressed beyond belief in the middle of your storm, you may think, God doesn't care about me at all. When you're apathetic in the middle of this, I guess this is my life now, whatever, God, you may think that God can't use this storm in your life. When you're lost and hopeless and despairing, you may think, God, you are powerless in the middle of this storm. But when your response is to do exactly what verse 28 is, 
If your response is to cry out to the Lord to be delivered, you believe a few things. When you cry out to the Lord in your storm, you believe that he is sovereign over the storm. When you cry out to the Lord in your storm, you believe that God is powerful to take you out of the storm. When you cry to the Lord in your storm, you believe that his steadfast love will sustain you and deliver you from your storm. When life is hard, what do you do? Because it will reveal so much about what you believe about God. Whether you believe he is close, whether you believe he is near, whether you are looking to him, whether you think he cares, whether you think he is powerful, whether you think that he wants to deliver you, it will reveal it like that. You can't hide it. You won't be able to. So what do you do when life is hard? When things are absolutely not going the way that you wanted them to, what do you do? Where do you run to? Who do you turn to? There are a million ways you can react to this, but there is only one correct thing to do, and that is verse 28. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. There are so many things in this life that feel like deliverance, but they are really just distraction. Talking to a friend about your problems is awesome. That's great. But it might just distract you rather than deliver you. No one's going to be able to completely lift you out of the, uh, the, the depths of what you're going through in that moment. No human being is going to be able to do that. You may be having a girlfriend or boyfriend in this season of life and things are going rough over here, but like, you're like, at least I have this person that might just be distracting you rather than delivering you. Maybe you isolate it, keep it to yourself. If other people don't know, then surely it won't be a big deal. There's only one person who can deliver us. There's only one person who can sustain us. There's only one person who can truly heal us in the middle of our storm. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Because out of the storm, the love of God is steadfast. It will always be that way. Clear skies or gray skies, the steadfast love of the Lord remains the same. Trial or same old, same old, nothing really bad's going on. The steadfast love of the Lord will remain the same. God will deliver you from the storm that you caused yourself. God will deliver you from the storm that someone else's sin caused. God will deliver you from the storm that you're just like, I don't really know what's going on. I don't really know how this happened. But you have to turn to him. You have to look towards him. It will reveal so much about what you believe about God. That's why so often people, they encounter one of their first real, true struggles, maybe right after high school, and they recognize that their faith was on rocky ground from the start. They didn't actually believe those things about God. What do you believe about God? Do you believe he's strong enough? Do you believe he is powerful enough to deliver you from this storm? Reading this passage reminded me of a different passage in scripture that happens often. Verse 28, they cry out to the Lord and delivered them from their trouble. Mark chapter four, you don't have to turn there. I want you to listen closely though. Mark chapter four, it says this, verses 35 through 41. It's a story about Jesus. It's in the Gospels. On that day, it's, it's Jesus and his disciples there. Uh, they've been ministering to this town. And it says this, On that day when evening had come, 
He said to them, Jesus, let us go across to the other side, speaking to the Sea of Galilee, and leaving the crowd. So they're leaving these people. They're going out on a ship. They looked, they looked with them. Uh, he left with them in their boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the winds were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, talking about Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing. Asleep and on a cushion. And they woke him and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? That's Jesus. That's a picture of who he is. And that is what he has done. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. There was a great calm. Do you see the connection there? It's a pretty simple one-to-one connection, right? It's in God's very character to be able to look at whatever it may be and to be in complete control. Jesus is sleeping while the boat's falling apart. And he wakes up, he says, peace be still. And there was a great calm. They were glad that the waters were quiet. They were pretty thankful that they weren't gonna die in this storm. It's in God's nature. It's who he is. Do you know the one who calms the storm and the waves personally? Do you know him? Do you have communion with the one who tells the seas and the winds what to do? Do you have a relationship with the one who could make everything change like that? How would your life change knowing that you have the perspective that God is the one who orchestrates and holds you through the storms? How would your perspective shift if you knew you served a God and there was a God who loved you, who was in control of both the storm and the salvation from the storm, the one who was with you on the boat, the one who is there to say, peace, be still. How would your life change? It would change everything. If you believed it, if you know it and understand it cognitively and you don't believe it, that might be one of the most depressing things in the entire world when you face something that really is difficult. But if you believe in the steadfast love of God, it will change everything. Embrace him in faith. Turn to him, run to him, embrace him, not just when things get hard, but on a daily basis. When things get hard, when things are not hard anymore, embrace him, hold him close because he is holding close to you. How would your perspective change? God, I don't know why my dad lost his job and I had to move, but would you comfort me and guide me and deliver me from my fears and my doubts? God, I don't know why this person decided to betray me and hurt me, but would you deliver me from my bitterness? Would you deliver me from my anger and my rage? God, I don't know why I had to say goodbye to this person sooner than I thought I would have to, but would you comfort me in my mourning? Would you deliver me from grief? 
How would it change your perspective? How would that change your life? Because what you believe about God in the midst of a storm is going to be revealed pretty quickly. You can go a million different ways. A million. I can get bitter. I can get angry. I can be depressed. I can turn to substances to try and calm me. I can turn to another person to try and calm me. But there is only one person who delivers. There's only one person that we run to. They were glad that the waters were quiet and they were brought to their desired haven. I wonder where that was. They were brought to their desired haven. I wonder what it was like showing up at this place one day, looking around and thinking, that did not go the way I thought it would, but I'm so glad it didn't. I'm so glad the Lord rescued me. Imagine showing up to the desired haven, the goal, the end, the end goal, of being like, that did not go how I thought it would. That was stressful. That was difficult. That was hard. But the Lord was faithful through it. One day when we get to heaven, when we look at Jesus face to face, our truly desired haven, I'm sure we're going to say something like that. Life, that was weird, but it was worth it. I'm so glad that you carried me through it. I'm glad you delivered me from these things. A million different ways you can go. There's only one correct answer. Turn to the Lord in your trouble. So we've seen this tonight then. We've seen that uh, in the storm, God is sovereign. Out of the storm, God is steadfast. But the story's not done. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works in the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So we've seen the Lord in the storm. We've seen him out of the storm and beyond the storm. God is exalted. Out of the storm, the one that's passed a year, two years, three years, God is always exalted. Because he is sovereign, because he is powerful, because he has delivered us, we do what now for the fourth time in this psalm alone we are commanded to do, and that is to be thankful and to worship the Lord in thankfulness to speak of the steadfast love of the Lord, to profess of the steadfast love of the Lord, to thank him directly. Beyond the storm, God is exalted. Beyond the storm, he's exalted. Delivered people are thankful. Delivered people are thankful. And as you grow in your relationship with God, you learn just how much you have to be delivered. As you get to know the Lord more, you recognize just how many things I need to be delivered from and how frequently, how consistently I need to be delivered from these things. And delivered people are thankful. There's a major shift that happens here. These people going out to make some cash, go on an adventure, make some money, come back, tell their family about it. Now all of a sudden are telling a very different story. They're speaking to what? The congregation of the people. They are praising him in the assembly of the elders. This is a, a reference to people who are in authority, who are in charge of a community. It could have been in a church context. It could have been in a, a, a family context. It could have been in the context of whatever. It, it's, it, the point is this. When you're delivered, when you're thankful for being delivered from your storm, we tell everyone 
We tell absolutely everyone, the people in charge, the people not in charge, every single person in the congregation gets to know of the steadfast love of the Lord. They wanted to come back with stories about how much money they made, and now they're coming back with stories about God's steadfast love, something that is worth just an infinite amount more than anything you could possess in this life. Their perspective has shifted because of the storm, not in spite of it, Not like, okay, I guess this crappy thing's happening, but I'm still alive. No, because of this storm, their thankfulness for God has increased. Their love for the Lord has increased. Their joy for the Lord has increased because of the storm. We look at verses like verse 25. He commanded and raised the stormy wind. Why did you have to do that, God? That was kind of mean of you. May it not be so when we recognize his sovereignty and we look at verses like 32. The thankfulness in your life for the Lord, for his steadfast love in your life, will increase as you hold closer to him when storms come. It's just what happens, and it's worth it. It's worth the storm. It's worth the difficulty. It is worth the trial. Every time. Every single time, let them praise the Lord, extol to exalt him in the congregation of his people. Thankful people, uh, delivered people are thankful. When we speak to the Lord's deliverance in our lives more than our accomplishments, that's how you know you're growing as a Christian. When we speak not of our accomplishments, but of the Lord's deliverance more frequently, that's how you know you're growing as a Christian. I mean, that's it. We look to our lives, especially in high school and middle school, we're looking forward to our lives, what school we're going to get into, what job we're going to get, how these things happen. But as you get older and wise older Christians, they don't really care about what they've done in life as much. This is true. And all they can talk about is how the Lord has delivered them, what trials they faced and how the Lord brought them out of it. All the time. If you don't believe me, find an older Christian. Find an older a person who loves the Lord, and may it be true of us even when we're young. We speak less about our accomplishments, less about the money we made overseas, less about the grades we got, less about the college we got into, less about the friend group that we're with, but more about the Lord's deliverance. That's how you know you're growing. That's how you know you are living closer to Jesus. When we, get, we begin to proudly share more of the Lord's accomplishments than our own. That's how you know you're growing. That's where we want to live. Let the redeem it of the Lord say so. That's how this passage started. A couple weeks ago, that was one of our major highlights. Let the redeem it of the Lord say so. I don't care if this difficult thing happened two years ago. Talk about it. Profess it. Encourage each other with it. Speak about it. Be honest about it. Be honest about how much it hurt and how much pain you went through, and how the Lord delivered you from it. Be honest if you feel like you're in the middle of it. Be honest if you're lost and confused in the middle of it. The Lord can and will deliver you. Speak about it. I was fearful, and he comforted me. I was confused, and he gave me direction. I was angry, and he gave me peace. I was lost, and he showed me the way. Speak about these things constantly. Allow the Lord to be the one who is on full display in your life. Worship him with conviction. Speak about him with confidence. 
Speak to him with confidence. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let him praise them in the assembly of the elders. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works in the children of men. Let's thank the Lord. Is your song of thankfulness loud? Is your worship loud? In your life, in your actual song here on Wednesdays or Sundays, in the way you can construct your life, is your worship loud? Can other people hear it? Can other people know? Can other people see it? Because the reality is people who don't know Jesus have not been brought out of the storm. They may be distracted, things may be chill, things may be normal, but they have not been delivered and they want to be, even if they don't recognize it yet. And you have the opportunity as a Christian to be proud of that, to live life like that's true, to walk around as a beacon of hope, as someone who's been delivered, who's someone who's been rescued, and to say, yes, you can be delivered too. You can be rescued as well. And I can tell you who rescued me. I can tell you who delivered me. In the storm, God is sovereign. Out of the storm, God is steadfast. And beyond the storm, God is exalted. And the reality is those things about God that I said are always true. You might as well say in the storm, God is steadfast. In the storm, God is exalted. Out of the storm, God is sovereign. And out of the storm, God is exalted. Beyond the storm, God is sovereign and God is steadfast. You can say these things about the Lord all the time. But do you believe them? Do you act like it is true? The one thing I need you to know, call to the Lord when the storm is raging. Call to the Lord when the storm is raging. When it is, when it's not, worship him with conviction. Worship him with thankfulness. When we're here on Wednesday nights, again, we're not just here to hang out, have a good time. We have an opportunity to connect with God. We have the opportunity to remember two, three, four years ago and say, that was difficult. And when we we sing things like, God, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of everything that I could give to you. We can believe that with truth. We can believe that with thankfulness. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're thankful for this truth. God, I pray that you would allow us to recognize and see your steadfast love in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial. God, I pray that we would not uh, be downcast. God, I pray that we would not be uh, lazy. We would not be apathetic in the midst of the storm. But would we look towards you? Would you use these storms? Would you use the trials like we know you do, like your word says all throughout Scripture, like your word says in James 1, would we recognize that we are being refined, that we are being brought closer to you and growing closer to you because of the storms that often arise? God, I pray that when we sing tonight and in in our lives when we worship you with the way we speak, when we worship you in song, we would have confidence. We wouldn't be timid. We wouldn't hold anything back because you didn't hold anything back for us. There's nothing that we could repay you with. There's nothing that we could do to to get equal with you, to receive some sort of uh, deal with you. But God, you and your steadfast love have rescued us. Help us, give us the eyes to see it more clearly so that we would worship you with more conviction. 
that we would see the deliverance, that we would tell others about it. We would profess it with our entire lives, Lord. Thank you for the steadfast love. For the person in the room right now who's at their very end, who feels like they're going to fall off the, the boat. They're, they're about to just fall overboard. The water's coming down too hard. They can't see a foot in front of them. I pray that they would talk to someone. They'd be bold to say, I need, I need prayer. I need someone to just put their arm around me and tell me it's going to be okay. Would they be bold to profess that, to speak that? Would it be a loving community where that's what happens in this room? It's not just you know, fun and, and, and hanging out, but it is where healing can happen. It's where deliverance can happen. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.